Hello and welcome to the O&M Stockroom. We're your hosts, Brian McGarry and Ken O'Malley. Tonight is episode 18 of Complimentary Cinema. If you're new to the channel, Complimentary Cinema is a program where we review and discuss films you can watch for free that are available on YouTube. Be warned, we discuss these films in detail, so consider this a full spoiler alert. So, uh, Ken, tonight it was your turn to pick the film. Yes. And what did we pick? We picked the 1996 film Down Periscope. I'm just so glad that we did, too, because I, I was a huge fan of Frasier when I was a kid. Uh, watched it all through, you know, like junior high, high school, you know, even into my, my early adulthood. And, uh, you, you know, big fan of Kelsey Grammer, just loved his work, loved his, his comedic stylings. And, uh, you know, I didn't get any of that in this, uh, in this film. No. I, I got none of the things I was looking for. But there we go. <laughs> That's a great way to start. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it's a so it's a it's a navy slapstick comedy film, kind of done in not quite the absurdist level of like say Hot Shots, but you know in the ballpark in the umbrella of absurdist uh, you know slapsticky comedy. Uh, let's see. So yeah, ninety six. So our cast of characters, real quick. This actually has a surprisingly nice cast of of actors yeah i mentioned uh while we we're watching this everyone in this movie was in something better at some point all of them were in something better if they did one other movie they were in another better movie so uh for example you have lauren holly playing emily lauren holly uh well first i guess i should say kelsey Grammer. so he's he plays the the star of this piece of crap uh tom dodge the uh the naval leader in this in this case uh, also, you know, from Frasier, he has a little bit role in a Star Trek The Next Generation episode where he plays Captain Morgan Bateson of the, uh, I can't remember the name of the ship off the top of my head, but it's it's like from a fifth season Next Gen episode where the, the Enterprise gets caught in a temporal causality loop. Oh yes, the Bozeman, a Soyuz-class Federation starship, also was caught in, in a causality loop. And they finally break the loop, but it's been 80 years that the Bozeman has been caught. So when you see uh, when you see Kelsey Grammer on the view screen, he's wearing a, a original series era um, movie era uniform, and that was just kind of a neat little throwback. I, that was probably the only time that Kelsey Grammer should have captained a ship. <laughs> this being the time that he shouldn't have. But moving on. So then we also have Lauren Holly as Emily. Lauren Holly is probably best known as uh, Miss Swanson or or Miss Sampsonite from Dumb and Dumber. And you have Rob Sh- uh, Schneider playing Marty Pascal. Now the thing with Marty, uh, the thing with Rob Schneider is he she, uh, he peaked in the early '90s on Saturday Night Live, and that's where he should have stayed. Am I alone here, or do we? Uh, no, I'm not a big Rob Schneider fan. I, I, but he there he has been in better movies. I would believe that. Uh, also, we have the the late great Harry Dean Stanton as Howard. Now, Harry Dean Stanton does not need any introduction. Well, he shouldn't. You know, he's in Repo Man. He's an Alien. He's just in tons and tons of awesome movies. And he's been in a lot of bad movies too. But you know, he's he's great at being like a, an old kind of grizzled 
a blue collar bastard and I love him for it. He plays the exact same character in every movie or just about. Uh, let's see. Then you have Bruce Dern um, playing Admiral Graham. Bruce Dern was in, among other things. Oh, man, what was it? The moment Tom Hanks. So, uh, it's like from 89. I know that really narrows it down. What is it about? When they have the neighbors that are really creepy, hmm. you know, and like uh, Tom Hanks like get, takes a week off of work and his wife is Princess Leia and they want to go. She wants him to take everyone to the cabin. And I have no idea. Like, it's like, uh, God, it's all, it's on the tip of my mind. But anyway, that th- movie, that was a good movie. Bruce Dern's in that. Bruce Dern is also the father of Laura Dern from Jurassic Park and Blue Velvet and other great films. And then you have, oh, I guess the last really notable one is Rip Torn, who plays uh, Admiral Winslow. Oh, and William H. Macy as, uh, where the hell is he? As Captain Knox. So, yeah, I mean, you've got like William H. Macy, Rip Torn, Bruce Dern, Harry Dean Stanton. You know, you got some like, you got some like heavyweights here. How in the hell? Oh, and uh, you also have Patton Oswalt. Who's basically like just a guy in the background. He's just a guy in the background. Like this is one of the probably the earliest, earliest things he ever did. When I saw him, I actually cheered with happiness because I like, I love Patton Oswalt. I mean, how can he's a lovable, he's a, he's just a lovable little guy, you know, very funny, you know, barbed tongued. I might. So anyway, would you like to give us the rundown of this film? By all accounts on the surface, this is kind of like an ensemble cast, you know, it seems like uh, uh, they have a lot of things going for them uh, as far as, you know, they have a lot of, of, of decent actors and uh, I, I really enjoyed in this movie. They have like a lot of like they have ships, they have real ships. Actual naval vessels are in this. They have uh, archival footage of ships. Actual archival footage of actual ships. They have models. Models. Physical models. So anyway, that's all. I really enjoyed all that. From that from that perspective, that definitely ticks off a lot of boxes for me because I I'm so burnt out on on crappy shitty CGI, so it's nice to see actual hardware as you said, and it's nice to see just just physical material being being photographed. So we, anyway, we need more of that. So, this, so anyway, so this movie is about uh, Kelsey Grammer. He's kind of like uh, he's in line for promotion to being a captain, but he's at the, like end of the amount of time he can be uh, considered for for uh, a promotion. He's about at the end of his window. So, you know, either he's going to get his own ship or he's going to get demoted and he's going to be on a desk job for the rest of his career. Um, and it seems like he, he doesn't take things super seriously. The first thing he does is he's playing golf off of a submarine, you know, shooting onto land from a submarine. And the admirals or whatever are just discussing whether they're going to give him a command post or not. So it turns out they are going to give him a command post, but it's kind of like a joke. Uh, or they're they're kind of setting him up to fail. So they're going to do a war game where he takes an old diesel submarine and tries to uh, infiltrate their, you know, the American harbors. Basically, they got like a tip that Russians are selling diesel, old diesel submarines to other countries they might use for terrorism or... Who knows what? So they're they're gonna see if a diesel submarine can, can infiltrate the American ports. So that's kind of the, the main setup for the movie, and um, the comedy comes from the fact that the crew he is given is a complete disaster, and none of them look remotely seaworthy at all. 
and the captain obviously isn't you know he, he he's a little screwy so uh and then the ship they give him is an old diesel world war ii submarine a, a, a rust bucket at that i mean the thing looks like if you set your foot on the deck it's going to go through the deck and maybe even through the bottom of the boat yep they, they, the, at one point someone says it's being held together by the bird droppings and you know from from all appearances i'd believe that yep so and and he has a crew to fit a crew to match rather and uh a captain to match so you know so you know the okay so <laughs> so let's let's talk about the admirals cuz there's kind of a situation where there's the one admiral it's kind of uh, he 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 wants him to get promoted, but he's kind of neutral about it. Rip torn, Admiral Winslow, and then the other one really got it out for him. Bruce Dern, Admiral Graham, Admiral Graham just hates Kelsey Grammer's uh, Tom Dodge character. Just hates the guy. He thinks like, he's like, he's he's irresponsible and not fit for command, and just like like an overall a screw up. And in their in their first like Admiralty meeting. They discuss uh, the fact that Tom Dodge may or may not have a tattoo on his penis that says "Welcome aboard," and this comes up repeatedly throughout the film. So it's not like a, th- a throwaway joke, and then you move on. They continually revisit this. It is like four times. It is the source of what they expect is comedy, which in every case in this film is not. So the admirals get into it a little bit, you know, like Rip Torn's more on the, you know, I, I think this guy could have something. Um, Bruce Dern's admiral is now this guy's, you know, he shouldn't be in, you know, so, yeah, so, so they, they, so they give him this chance to fail, but Rip Torn's admiral, uh, Admiral Winslow basically says, Hey, if you can make it to this port and blow up this dummy ship, We'll talk about actually giving you an actual command. So we, you know, so yeah, so they, they all show up to the ship and then uh, they fix it up kind of. Yeah. There's a lot of hijinks. It's basically just a lot of kind of stupid, uh, you know, someone gets knocked into the water, you know, this, the, the electrician guy gets electrocuted and the fat guy's fat and eats a lot. It's like all the lowest hanging fruits that you could pluck. That are not juicy and and funny. So uh, And you could see all of the things that were supposed to be jokes a mile away. So okay, okay, so like you know, so taking the, the radio operator, for instance. Yeah, he electrocutes himself, right? So maybe maybe one time that would be funny in a specific context. But he practically zaps himself every time he's touching wires. And of course, because it's an old ship, he's constantly touching loose wires. I don't see how that could possibly be, you know, naval regulation friendly or not. But there's just loose wires all over this uh, this equipment. Well, the payoff to that is that he electrocutes himself throughout the entire movie so that when he flips a switch at the end, he doesn't electrocute himself. And that's what's funny. Oh, that was I was supposed to laugh then. Yeah. Okay. I, but I didn't, though, Ken. Right. I didn't laugh at that. That's all. The whole movie, everything is being rubbed in your nose about what the payoff's going to be at the end. Yeah. And then when it is, it's not funny. You know what else I didn't laugh at at this film? Um, Rob Schneider's character as the XO Marty Pascal. Yeah. 
You know, he basically just an angry little man just yelling at everybody all the time. He's supposed to be like the extreme by the book. You know, he, he does everything by regulation and just yells at everyone all the time. To the point that he's about to have blood blood vessels burst in his head. And I kind of kind of realized we just kind of skipped over the rest of the uh, plot synopsis. Well, we're just, but, you we're know, just talking about he's introduced then too. Yeah, that's but okay. What I will say. Uh, okay. So anyway. We're just talking about themes. It's all themes, good. Themes. What's another theme? Oh, yes. Then you have Lauren Holly as the token female on the entire sub. And she's uh, really treated like a... Uh, she's treated like a, a piece of meat. Well, she's like... She's kind of fresh out of the academy. And so she doesn't have any real world experience. Just a lot of simulator training. So she's not sure of herself. And then the situation with other people doesn't make her feel any more confident. Because, like you said, she's just, you know, people keep setting her up for for mishaps. Mishaps. This entire film is a mishap. <laughs> the production of this film was a mishap. So, at the 16-minute at the mark, I, I checked the time and I groaned loudly. At 16 minutes, we must have been subjected to a bad joke. Or a little, you know, quote-unquote funny gimmick every 30 seconds. And not one of them landed a punch. And you even you even asked me then, like, are we going to find something to laugh at in this film? And no, we did not. No. It never so happened. before you even listen to the rest of our, our take on this film, this is not a funny comedy by any stretch. No. So maybe, that, I would call it maybe amusing. It's not amusing, Ken. There's amusing uh, amusement. <laughs> this is a film for idiots. You have to be you have to be an idiot to find this level of humor funny. It's predictable, it's daft, it comes at you a mile away, and there there's nothing original here at all. It is it's like a hunt for red October. It's a hunt for red October for idiots. It's like you know when someone's like, "Oh, I'm I'm wacky, I'm strange," and uh, and there's a whole submarine full of them, and it's just like it's not it's not funny. It's not funny just no. to be, "Oh, I'm wacky, I'm off the wall." It's I, like really annoying. Th- this film actually gave me a headache. Yeah, I I still have a headache from watching this. I'm not even kidding. I think a lot of it too is they didn't they didn't use Kelsey Grammer for humor. For pretty much the whole thing, he ends up playing kind of the straight, per, you know, straight face. Uh, he did, yeah. And the quote unquote times it was funny is just when he was like, "Oh, look at me, I'm weird." Like when they did the whole little pirate, pirate scene, and you know the golf uh, scene at the beginning. It's like, oh, we're wacky. Like, like I would not call Kelsey Grammer one of the great actors of our time by any stretch. But he's a competent actor, and he was absolutely wasted on this, as was literally every single person in this film. So that said, back to a, a, a some semblance of a plot synopsis. Well, the thing is, though, I guess the reason it's hard to get a plot synopsis for this film, and it might even be a fool's errand, is because the rest of the movie is a complete procedural one, two, three, you know, submarine... Another submarine is coming to try to, to catch them. So they do a, a, an unusual tactic so they can't sense them. Then 
they go to another place and they're about to get seen. So they do another unusual tactic, not be seen. And that is the entire film is this submarine moving from one dangerous or unusual or strange thing to the next to try to avoid being detected. That was beautiful. And yes, you're, you're absolutely correct. So they have two incidents that they, so they're trying to infiltrate their own base, right? And blow up a dummy ship. Meanwhile, all these like, you know, very powerful, fast-paced, nuclear-powered submarines are chasing him. Well, the first trying is, to detect them. At first, it's just the one. It's yeah, just the ship he was on one. before, and the captain. And the other captain is just like you know that ship is completely just normal. Like they're operating like you would expect a naval vessel to operate, and you know doing the things that they should be doing to try to uh, track them down. And at first, they're uh, you know they're like that's ah, a diesel. It's a diesel sub. There's no way that. Because they don't know exactly what they're looking for. They just know they're looking for a ship and uh, a submarine. And when they realize it's a diesel sub, they're like, oh, it can't be that. But just in case, let's take a closer look. And the the first wacky thing that they do is, uh, you know, Captain Dodge decides, hey, let's, you know, put some lights around the, the ship and let's, you know, let's, let's, let's surface her. And then let's all sing so they think that we're just a bunch of drunk guys on a fishing boat. And it happened to be during a storm, too. So it was like kind of hard to make out. It just looked like lights on a, you know, like a, yes. a fishing boat or something like that. So, you know, so they managed to slip through that time, right? And then they, they reach their first target and light their flares to show that they made it. And then after that, they have this huge blockade that they have to get through, which they do by hiding under a huge uh, commercial uh, cargo carrier the other funny thing about these scenes is we also keep cutting back to the admirals like we have this scene in the storm where they're trying to you know they're camouflaging themselves oh no and then it cuts back to the admirals who are having dinner outside in the harbor and the one goes like oh good thing that storm just passed (laughs) I, i believe the actual quote was oh looks like the storm passed like oh shit the storm just stopped Meanwhile, they already have their food and they've been outside and everything's clearly dry. for some time and everything's dry as a bone. They just had to tie in the fact that the last scene was raining. I, and what was great about the, uh, the scene outside with, you know, when they're, when they're on the, 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 uh, the superstructure of the uh, submarine putting up their lights, everything's shot real close in. So all you see is just, you know, some poor bastard who just wants to work and film you know, climbing up this thing, getting sprayed with studio water with the the studio lights flashing like it's thunder and lightning. You know, it was a, it was a great way to mask the entire, the entire scene to make, you know, so, it's essentially a bottle movie. Kind of like a, like a, I'm going to just talk about Star Trek again. So on Star Trek, a bottle episode is an episode that basically just takes place on the ship, Right. You use all the existing sets you have and, you know, you can save money. And then that way you can put whatever you saved towards like a big effects episode later on. Right. So like a good example is uh, where silence has lease in episode two or season two episode of, of next gen just takes place on the ship. And then a few later, you know, you've got, you know, anyway, just, you know, you have the Borg episode later on where you have all these huge, amazing sets. So back to the point, this is like a bottle movie because they use archival footage 
And I'm pretty sure that most of their footage of actual naval vessels in action was probably they just happened to film existing ships in the water. It is doing unrelated things. It is worth noting that the the main submarine is real. That it's set in is the uh, uh, they call it the Stingray in this movie. But it is a real submarine that's in the harbor and I think San Francisco. So, you know, it is nice. They have a real vessel to shoot. And uh, so at least that that's not embarrassing. Like, I think that was still my favorite part of the movie was just seeing all the real ships, even if it was just archival footage yeah. and stuff. Or and, just in the background. Yeah. Or, yeah. The ones in the harbor, like actually there. It, it provides a sufficient amount of grounding to yeah. the whole thing. <sighs> but yeah, I just, just feel like it's it's so pointless to talk about the plot because it's literally just oh they found us again we're gonna do something stupid and it's gonna work and they go down to the bottom of the ocean and then they crash to the ground what's gonna happen next nothing well no they had to uh, the, the, they set it up oh, right, no. right <laughs> they set it up that the 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 radar guy can hear everything like he could hear everything everywhere and he tapes or tape records whale song so we could try to learn it yeah so he can he can sing back to them or whatever so of course when they need a distraction he ends up singing whale so that the other submarine can hear it and thinks that they're a whale in a fantastically fantastically cringy moment in the film where i not the first time but one of several times where i was actually embarrassed to be watching this that was one of those times, you know, because he has all these cassette tapes, right? He's got like 20 cassette tapes in front of him that they previously established are, oh, those are recordings of Wells. And you naturally think like, oh, he'll pop one of those cassette tapes in and play it. And then it'll be genuine whale song, which would actually fool an actual, you know, radar technician, right? Or sonar technician, and but see, Brian, but they don't do that. This is a comedy movie, so it's it, a comedy. It movie. was funny that he was making whale noises and and stuff, and that was funny. That was I didn't laugh, but it was funny to no one. <laughs> oh, that was that was just hard to watch, and that's how every scene was. Everything that was supposed to be funny. Rob Schneider was a huge offender with this because, you know, he's just yelling and screaming his head off. He he went to 11 immediately and he just stayed there. Yeah. He had, his character had no range. It never, I, I mean, he just, he, he just completely bricked out and just went overboard and never pulled it back enough. Luckily for us, he gets thrown off the ship. Oh, that so, was good. So the yeah. third act, he's not there. I, w- I was really grateful for that. because So at one point, the Admiral who has it out for, you know, Dodge, is going to restrict the area that he can operate in to make it difficult for him to actually achieve his objective, setting him up for failure. Dodge decides, eh, we're going to go out of that anyway, because that's not really the, the original orders he was given anyhow. Right. And, of course, the by the book, you know, XO decides that, oh, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're going AWOL and everything. And he tries to get the crew to mutiny against him. So, naturally, what you would do in any normal naval situation 
is don a bunch of pirate gear and makeup and whatnot that you just happen to have on board with you like you do when you're on a, a United States naval vessel. And then you make your executive officer walk the plank and drop him in a fishing boat. And then resume your movie. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, your mission. I. Moving on. Yeah, there's just, like, all the stuff that happens, it's not funny. And it's so obvious. There's nothing surprising about any of it. And that's where the comedy would come. You know, that's where it should come yeah, from. Th- yeah, there's no surprises here. So after that, after that, they make their, their final run for for Nor- Norfolk, which is where they were going to blow up the dummy ship. And long story short, they make it. And, you know, the, the, the admiral, who's a big jerk for no reason, gets his minor comeuppance. And Kelsey Grammer gets the ship he always wanted. And he gets to keep his, his crappy-ass crew because they've all they've all apparently become polished turds. And he wants to keep them. And then you know, also he gets a kiss from uh, the one lady... The diving officer, Lauren Holly, Which is really terrible and like extra terrible because during the rest of the movie, they don't really have like a whole lot of connection and he's kind of playing a mentor character to her. And then for them to go that way at the end was just like, okay, you wanted to have like a romantic connection, but like he was, that was not appropriate. He was like coaching her, like he, he, he on was how do- to be a he, better officer. He, he was he was doing a he was doing an upskilling and kind of team building thing with her. Like that was good, and, the, and which was great. And then she comes to him in private to give him a kiss. They had to ruin it. They had to ruin it because you can't have in this film. I guess the one female character you can't have her actually, you know, have her own worth and, and confidence and ability. Granted, she was a lot better than most of them, but she never really got the respect that she deserves. Yeah. She never really got the respect from the men. It's true. Because she never really got recognized she that ne- she she kicked ass. She never really got recognized for kicking ass. She had to rely way too much on the captain. And then and then when she comes in to give him the kiss like, like a little girl, it completely just destroyed that character. It's like you, you almost had something for a moment, and then you threw it away for just to... Because this movie has to have romance of some kind. Like, really? That's what this film needed? Was that kiss? Bullshit. All right, so I'm done talking about the anything related to the actual storyline. So let's... Uh, I mean, it was a simple story. It's a very simple story. And once we set, the, once we set our, our ships on their mission, they just follow that formula till the very end. <laughs> All right, so let, let's let's pick apart some of these characters a little bit. So you have the the two, the two, uh, I guess you would call them pilots of the ship, the drivers, the oh, the yeah. helm, the helm and the con of the ship. So you have uh, Dwayne Martin as Jackson and Jonathan Penner as Spots. You know, one is a ba- uh, you know a basketball player for the Navy, and he wants to go all like all NBA. The other guy's a gambler. You know, and they, they have this stupid back and forth. Like, they're like almost frenemies, and it just doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's back and forth through the whole film, and it never, just when you think that maybe, oh, they finally came to a place of genuine, like, friendship, no. 
And then you have you have the fat cook who makes food jokes and oh and his his shining moment is when they're trying to be dead silent. Guess what? He's eating like old, you know, beans that expired nineteen sixty six and he farts. That was a that was a big joke in this film, was the big fart joke. Who the people who wrote this film are assholes, Ken. <laughs> And we're, oh man, I mean, what what else can you say about this? Like, it's not it's it's badly written. Uh, much of it is is badly acted, especially in the case of like Rob Schneider, who's you know he he's always shit anyway, so that's not a surprise. I think it's a lot of missed opportunities too. I think um, with a slightly better script and um, just better casting because. The people they had in a couple of those spots are bad. Um, Rob Schneider was was just awful. Yeah, yeah. What the hell were they thinking putting him in this film? Like he doesn't. I don't know. I mean, you could argue, well, he doesn't look like Navy material, so that's why we put him in. But like, it wasn't even. I think they needed to go further one way or the other. They needed to make either it even sillier to go complete goofball. You know, like they didn't go that far. They didn't go far enough. That's absolutely right. They didn't go into like Naked Gun. Uh, that would have been great. You know, kind of ridiculousness. What? Like like if Leslie Nielsen... See, Leslie Nielsen should have been the captain of this ship. <laughs> and, and, and the jokes about him, you know, meeting his deadline for becoming an actual, you know, captain of a vessel would make more sense. Yeah. And he could have played like the, the dead straight perfectly. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you got like those guys to write, to write this film... That would have been fun to watch, but instead you got guys who wish they were those guys. Yeah, and there's no nuance either to any of the characters. Like, they hardly had any any progression. They hardly had any arc, really, other than that they they succeeded in the end. Oh God, what what's the one guy? So, uh, Stepanic. Yeah. So he's he shows up and he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be insubordinate. You're gonna throw me off this boat, and then he, you know, he's basically like the the big lovable jerk of the film. And then he just stays that way. I mean, he and he, it's just he, whatever. Who he becomes the hero kind of in the end, though, because he's the one that saves them from from going down when the water's coming in. Yeah. So what? That's what I'm saying, though. Like that. Yeah. It's just <laughs> he did even, something helpful. Even when these characters start to shine, you still don't. It's you don't care. Yeah. I I never cared about any of these characters. I never cared about Kelsey Grammer. I never cared about. I never cared about the people on this boat. I never cared about the other people on the other boats. Yeah. I didn't care about the admirals. So I think there, there's a core to this movie. The idea of the movie isn't bad. If, a, a comedy set on a, in, in a naval exercise. Even just if you kept the base plot and then made the characters more interesting, made the interactions more interesting, and maybe a little tension or, you know, whatever. Or went the opposite way and everything was just completely off the rails. Then it could have been an okay movie. Oh man. So so what was the what was the cook's name? Uh Buckman, right? Yeah. So so the cook Buckman. All right. He's just, you know, he's the big fat schlub of the boat. And 90% of his scenes are just him standing in a doorway just with a cigar in his mouth just kind of being like <laughs> And you see it over and over again, just like you get the 
the oh yeah dodge has a as a dick tattoo joke over and over again the movie even ends with that it begins with that and it ends with that that is the bookmark to this or not the bookmark that's the uh book ends the book ends to this film is that kelsey Grammer's character has a dick tattoo yep like that's the thread that winds its way through the story like that that's what they really want to leave you the impression with teehee even the things that were supposed to be funny aren't memorable really so let's talk about uh let's talk about the good good performances in this film okay so uh rip torn as the lo- lovable admiral winslow you know he plays the uh the understanding but stern you know fatherly type to kelsey grammer and to by extension to us the audience you know we try to find solace in the occasional warm embrace that he provides in the uh the random scenes in between the ocean uh, going uh, scenes. You know, I thought he, you know, for, you know, 70 year old man, he did fine. You know, he, he was in men in black and he kind of serves a similar function in that. Mm -hmm. I think that's just kind of what his role was in his latter day films. Right. And that was good. And then, uh, I I thought William H. Macy was really good um, as just the, you know, he played a Naval commander going about his normal routine and, uh, you know, trying to figure out the solution, you know, trying to, to hunt them down. And another and another issue of miscasting, right? William yeah. H. Macy is a fucking phenomenal. I'm, I'm just going to swear in this one. OK, he is a fucking phenomenal actor. All right. He did Fargo the same year as this piece of shit. Yeah. OK. His, his character in that film, you know, because thanks to in part to brilliant writing, I mean, he. He's desperate. He's pathetic. He's hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's so many things, and in this, he's just he's just a navy guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, he he played the straight navy guy like he did it really well. You, but you would expect them to be. You know what I'm saying? It, it, he did, and it's like, but why would you get William H Macy to do that? It had to be know, somebody. Maybe, I guess. maybe maybe back in 1996, before all that Fargo and everything, he was just an actor. Hmm. Maybe you know, I I am looking at him through the lens of like 25 years of fantastic work, which is, you know, it's, it's a also it's to his credit that he kept working after this film. Hmm. I don't think uh, Kelsey Grammer did many films after this. Certainly not in heavy prosthesis and makeup. Uh, another good one is uh, Bruce Dern as Admiral uh, Graham. He's, you know, he, he's a solid actor. He does. Uh, he portrays the emotionally, compromised admiral quite well yeah he plays a good villain you know he, he plays a good villain a little over the top in the edge at the or uh, a little over the top at the end but that's also you know again what in this film didn't kind of go overboard in the wrong way uh to get the pun there over overboard the uh, yeah, uh. yeah yeah that's about the that's the level of the humor in this film so there you go and what was another? What was another good one? I thought okay. So Lori Lauren Holly did great as as Lieutenant Lake. Yeah, she did go with what she had, what she had to work with, with. What she had to work with, she did good. And you know, for the most part, I mean, none of them were. Ah, it's really Rob Schneider that I just hate in this film. Yeah, he he sticks out. You know, because the more I think about it, he's the one who sticks out the worst. I mean, the rest of the cast didn't offend me. You know what I'm they, saying? They didn't. They didn't piss me off every time I saw their face. I mean, the cook, his his part sucked, but it wasn't really his fault. He didn't do anything bad like Rob Schneider did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Rob Schneider was actively annoying. 
Right. Now, I wonder if you took him out of it. See, here's the thing. You should have taken out Rob. Oh, here's here's what we should have done. Remove Rob Schneider from the film. Make William H. Macy the XO, Mm. which would have been a much better fit. Because early in the film, like William H. Macy is the captain of Kelsey Grammer's boat. And that doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. at all. It just doesn't. That dynamic seems odd to me. But if you had made William H. Macy the XO, the kind of, you know, wormy, uh, prissy, you know, aggravated XO, I think that would have worked a lot better. And then just pick any any old random like square jaw dude for the the captain of that ship. Hmm. And that would have been fine. See, that would have been a much better choice. Because William H. Macy could have made that a you know an, an acceptable role because the way that Rob Schneider portrays it, it's like he's acting for six year olds. Like mm-hmm. that's his audience. Yeah. Is a six year old who's easily amused and laughs and points at the TV and looks up at their parents and then laughs some more and keeps pointing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a missed opportunity that they didn't have a whole lot of relationship between the two captains. They, I mean, they had, you know, they, he had served, um, they had served together on the ship, but then they didn't really have a relationship beyond that. You know, the, 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 the first captain thought he wasn't that great and, uh, wasn't that reliable, but there's really no tension between them as far as the exercise goes. Yeah, they didn't, they, they just, they used the Admiral for that at the end. Which was really cheap. Yeah. Because it really, you know, and it also really accentuated how, you know, the Admiral was really compromised by his own feelings in this matter. And they never really, aside from the fact he doesn't like the guy's style, and, you know, maybe he's a little bit of a screw-up, they don't really give you enough ammunition to justify his extreme near hatred of this man. It just, it doesn't feel warranted to me. Yeah. It never feels genuine. Let's talk about some of the uh, most useless or extraneous characters. <laughs> Should I just start reading off the cast list on IMDb? I, I think it's just, it's a pointless exercise. It's, <laughs> there's, no one was really important. The end. <laughs> it's like. You could have entered. You could inter- interchanged any of the crew members of the ship, and it's story-wise. I mean, it didn't really. For the most part, you you, you still need the diving officer to do that particular right. thing. So she's. If she hadn't had the romance angle, she would have been the legitimate arc of the crew. You know, her. Uh, I guess everyone kind of got their act together eventually, but. Eventually, but by the time they do, you don't care. Because you gave up in the first 35 minutes. There's just, there's no way to fix this. It's worth noting too. Um, so, so, so the director of this film, uh, David S. Ward, he also directed uh, Major League in 89. And he did a couple of other films, but he did nothing after this film. This film was the nail in his directing coffin. <laughs> so he said so he said this movie made back its budget. What was the budget on this? It was like 30 something million. 30 million? 34 or something. 34 million. So it wasn't a, a a critical or commercial disaster, but it was not anywhere near a success. 
I mean, it wouldn't have made their marketing back. It was thirty-one million uh, was the budget, and thirty-seven was the box office. So they so they, okay, so they grow six million more dollars than what they spent to make it. Right. Wow. But with advertising, you got to figure. There's no way. So they they may may have broken even. You know, keep you know, keep in mind too. This was like 1996. You know, a few TV spots, a few radio spots, a couple things in some newspapers. It wouldn't have needed too much because I I remember when this movie came out mm. and I saw a few ads on the TV and that was it. Yeah. You know, it came and it went. Yeah. So it's not like they spent a huge amount on on the marketing. I think Kelsey Grammer was misused. That's the main offense of this movie, even with all the other, you know, problems that it has. If he would have, if his role would have been really good, it could have overshadowed a whole lot in this movie. But, you know, they didn't use any kind of like good comedic timing, which he has. All of the things that he's known for and have been celebrated for are not present in this film. Like they they cast him because he was, God, he would have been in his third season or fourth season, second or f- he would have been within the first few seasons of Frasier, which was a popular show pretty much from the get go, based on a popular character from Cheers. So I mean he'd been riding a wave of quite a few years, and they were trying to capitalize on that with this comedy, and. All I can guess is that certain people were just like, oh, so-and-so signed on to that? Well, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, that director directed Major League? Oh, that was a good movie. That that made money. Right. So, I mean, I, I can see how some of them made that decision to get into this film. And I'm just kind of wondering, at what point did they all know it was just going to go very, very badly? So, I, th- I think it's time now to talk about the Village People song at the end credits. <laughs> Yes, the village people show up and sing in the Navy on the submarine on top of it. Uh, Intercut with uh, shots of Kelsey Grammer's character looking into the periscope and seeing them and being like, oh, wow. uh," And just stupid shenanigans going on on the ship and in the background. And I I didn't think they could end the movie any worse. I didn't think the movie could get worse once it was over. <laughs> but they found a way. It did. They found a way, and they. I. I'm just. I'm just kind of wondering, like, when Kelsey Grammer went to the premiere for this, mm. what was he thinking when he saw that? Was he proud of his work in this film? Was he proud to be associated with this film? I don't know. Did he? Did he go home and cry? Did he drink himself no, into I mean, a stupor? I mean, what? Went the, back to his TV show and just. Kept making money. Moved on with his life. You know, I, I, guess, I guess by the time the film was done, he had already cashed that check, huh? At least he could, yeah, he could just keep going. These poor other people who... Oh, man. Uh, probably never did anything else. A lot of them did of not. Them, yeah. A lot of them didn't. Most of them didn't. You know, like your cook, uh, Buckman, you know, his big claim to fame before this was being uh, the Santa Claus, quote-unquote, in Home Alone. So he got to be, you know... And then he was in another film in, uh, where he played Man in Hallway, <laughs> was the name of his character. So in this, he's basically Man in Doorway, and then he was Santa, and then he was also Man in Hallway. And that's just a shame. 
Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing else to say about this. So uh, we're going to go ahead and just cut this one a little bit short. I guess we could talk about, there was some music in it. It wasn't like, uh, I feel like this would have been a good movie to use a soundtrack of period period music. Music definitely would have. Because I guess that would have screwed up though because they were trying to be quiet most of the time. But it would have been interesting if they. I don't remember any of the music in this film except for when they sang Louie Louie and then the YMCA song at the end. They had some generic movie score. Yeah, it did not stand out at all. It was completely unmemorable because I can't recall the single I can't recall the single scene where I was like, "Oh yeah." It was like orchestral. It was you know? yeah, but or- orchestral but so just, uh, just in the background. ineffectual. Yeah. Man. If they'd had like some good like James Horner shit, that mm-hmm. would have been amazing. Yeah. You know, something like swelling and epic, you know, to which would accentuate the absurdity of some of the scenes, perhaps. Yeah. They would have had to have better comedy for it to really work, though. Yeah. But it could have helped. I mean, you know, you have you have you have bloodless, emotionless music. You have the scenes where you're supposed to be on the edge of your seat, like when they're resting on the ocean floor, trying not to make a peep. You know, nothing, no tension there at all. When when the ship is finally in some danger, actual danger, there's no danger. Yeah. You know, there's supposed to be comedy. There's no comedy. And that that's our that's our review of this film. Yeah. I have absolutely nothing else to say about it. You you won't find anything I, worth seeing here. This is not okay. So so the best I'll, part of this movie, I still contend, is the submarines themselves. And the other military ships that are shown in this film. And if you like those things, you can watch almost anything else with those things in them and find a more rewarding experience. You could you could go to the same YouTube box you go to to look for this movie and instead look for archival footage of submarines. And that will be much more fulfilling. Uh, watch a documentary on submarines. I mean, there's so many other cool things you could do. I, I just cannot recommend this film at all. Not even as a one-timer. No. Not even just to be like, oh yeah, I saw that once. No, this is not one. Don't do it. This is not a badge of honor. It's not a badge of honor. This is a. This is not even a rent it and forget it. Just forget it. It's a just. It's a. It shouldn't have been made in the first place. And on that cheery note, if you enjoyed our segment today, uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or find us on Patreon or Apple Music or any of the other spots we're uh, hosted at. We have new episodes uh, every single Wednesday. And uh, once again, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Complimentary Senate Podcast here on the O&M Stockroom with Ken O'Malley and Brian McGarry. And we'll see you next week with an all-new episode. Mm-hmm.